afternoon, evening, night, or whenever it is you're out there listening. Thanks for joining us once again. I am your host, Renny Rico, and this is The Sentiment. Time. It's that time again for another episode of The Sentiment. As I mentioned in the intro, this is Renny Rico coming at you. Today's date is July 28th, 2023. Oh, it's hot out there. I know I mentioned it last episode, but it doesn't seem to get any cooler. We're definitely in the middle of uh, a boiling summer. In fact, I've seen a... Um, I think something that said that we're past the global warming stage and now we're in the global boiling stage. I think that was the exact um, phrase that they used. Scary thoughts. I mean, considering it just seems to be getting hotter and I mean, the winter around here, I didn't get any snow or didn't seem to, we didn't seem to get any snow, at least nothing uh, significant. So it seems to be going in that direction. Um, I haven't done nearly enough research to determine whether global warming is you know an actual real thing so I don't want to speak on it and come off as ignorant to the actual facts but I tell you what it feels hot outside (laughs) you know it's summertime my daughter's off of school and we're just home sitting in the house because it's uh it's a scorcher out it's over 90 degrees we're getting crazy heat warnings and you know, I'm not. I don't like being in the heat in the first place. So you tell me, you give me a heat warning. I'm like, you know what? Say no more. <laughs> I'm not going out there. Anyway, how you guys doing? Thanks for joining us on another episode. Um, glad to be back. I know that. Uh, I mean, I've already told you I'm going to be kind of recording infrequently. So it's a. It's not exactly easy to to record these on a regular basis when you have all these responsibilities. You know, mainly. A six-year-old running around needing uh, constant attention, which I have no problem giving to her. You know, she's she's a great little girl, and you know she deserves it. But ain't no way she's convincing me to go outside. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, here we are. It's the, essentially like the middle of the year. I mean, pretty much. I mean, maybe a, like a little past middle, a little past half. But I wanted to kind of just uh, come in here and see. Where we're at in the entertainment industry halfway through the year, you know we have some interesting things going on. It's been a been a strange summer. Um, I mean, one of the biggest thing obviously is the is the strike. Now we have the WGA and SAG, which means that the writers and actors are both uh, striking, which hasn't happened since I believe it was the eighties was uh, the the thing that I saw, and uh, no the sixties possibly. You know I have to I have to look at that because the eighties obviously. Reagan was president, and the last time that SAG and WA struck together, Ronald Reagan was actually the union president for the actors. I saw that little little fact, and I thought that was interesting. So, yeah, that's going on. You know, they're fighting for just living wages, and, you know, I'm part of a union, so I'm totally with them. Obviously, since I 
follow along with the entertainment industry and you know I care what happens to uh, the people that are creating this entertainment for us you know these corporations I in my opinion they need to they need to pay them and when you start looking at the numbers and the breakdown about how everything works out it's such a small percentage of the of the profits that these huge corporations are getting it's just it seems so ridiculous that this this strike is going to get stretched out to the point it's going to get stretched out because you know I've heard I've heard rumors that you know they're not even going to come back to the negotiating table meaning the corporations until like October November uh one of the quotes that I heard was that they were going to try to stretch this out until it gets uncomfortable for people in the union and they start running out of money and they start potentially losing their houses and that's the type of people that we're up against now there have been uh follow up uh, follow up statements stating that you know some of the people in these corporations aren't they don't exactly follow follow that line of dialogue and they're not they're not trying to put people out of houses and they want to get the strike over just as quickly as the as the um actual union members and you know i i tend to I tend to believe that there's people out there that are on the good side as well. I don't, you know, I try not to look at, you know, this black and I try not to look at it as just black and white. There's gray areas. There's definitely people that they care about other people and there's no possible way that every single person in these corporations could care less about um the people in the union. So, you know, I'm hoping that they win out and they win over whoever is the corporate overlord that is making those decisions and I hope that a fair contract is negotiated. And, you know, I've witnessed this firsthand. As I mentioned, I'm in the union myself. And, you know, I think there's a lot of uninformed people out there. So maybe I'll do another episode that kind of goes in a little more deeper, especially if this strike uh, goes, you know, continues a lot longer than we anticipate. But today's not the day. I don't want to really go into detail about that. I don't have a... I don't have a lot of research in front of me, nor do I want to come off sounding ignorant, but there is a strike going on, and the union members are basically just fighting, you know, to to make a living wage and to update contracts that were uh, last updated in an era that was completely different. You were in the streaming era, and things have completely changed for the people in the industry, and it's time that the contract gets updated into what you know, what is the considered the modern entertainment industry. Uh, so, yeah, I'm uh, just praying that that works out for everyone in uh, in the unions, um, WGA and SAG, so that, you know, we can get back to seeing, you know, our regular news and, and movies in production and just getting back to the things that we love, which is, you know, this, these, this industry. And that's why we make these podcasts and that's why we talk about these things because uh, that's what entertains us and what's fun to us. But aside from that, um, as I mentioned, this is the middle of the summer. It's been a little strange. Um, other than the strike happening, you know, summertime is usually time for, you know, big blockbusters and big movies to come out and really show out with, uh, with you know, big showings from these entertain from these uh, production companies. And, you know, you, you see this news of these movies for going on a year, year and a half, and you get excited for them. And then... They come out, and a couple of these big ones flopped. Uh, I mean, that's really the point I'm trying to get to. <laughs> and it sucks, you know? It's, it really sucks. I mean, Flash, I have no um, I have no loyalty towards. 
there's a lot of controversy surrounding Ezra Miller and um, the his personal things that he had going on in Hawaii and, and some of the, the, the scrapes with the law that he's gotten into. And, you know, I'm not here to judge, but at the end of the day, they, we, we live in a really public world, so they see these things happening, and I think that's a huge reason why The Flash didn't do so well, despite... Despite James Gunn saying this is one of the best comic book movies that he's seen. And, you know, there was a lot of hype behind it. But that hype did not translate into movie tickets being purchased. Because that movie flopped big time. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But uh, it's safe to say that it did not turn a profit. And unfortunately, you know, we're seeing a, we're seeing a common theme. on some of these big movies for the summertime. Uh, they're flopping because a lot of them were delayed because of COVID. They had, you know, extensive reshoots. And uh, overall, just more and more expenses were added to these movies than normal. So it's kind of understandable why some of these movies are flopping. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't feel like crap. Like, I mean, Indiana Jones, let's take that as the, the next example. You know, Harrison Ford has been, you know, a mainstay in the entertainment industry for a really long time. We love him. He's played... His character, Indy, amazingly, even if you didn't like Crystal Skull, you know, he had an amazing for, uh, trilogy from the 80s. You know, the Indiana Jones series has been, uh, has has a huge fan base. And unfortunately, uh, it just seems to be kind of going downhill when it comes into the to the modern era of movies. It started with Crystal Skull. It was uh, not reviewed very well and also didn't do amazing money. I think it still turned a profit, but it... Uh, it definitely is something that is joked about often when it when people discuss the Indiana Jones series. And then you have the newest one, uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And people were anticipating, you know, a, a big cha- uh, change of course. They thought that they thought this movie was going to do well, and unfortunately it did not. And, and there's a lot of reasons, and some of them are, you know, because of what I already mentioned. Um, extensive reshoots, shot during COVID time, just ballooning budgets which I don't know some of these some of these uh, I think mainly Disney and and stemming from from how they create movies like some of these movies just their budgets are just shooting out of control when you're talking about minimum budgeting of 250 million dollars I mean if you're going off to two times two times revenue to actually turn a profit it's actually two and a half they need to make what 600 million something close to that just to even break even i mean you're already putting yourself in a perilous situation when you do that and you just become the laughing stock if you don't end up hitting anywhere close to those numbers and i don't think andy jones hit close to those numbers it didn't get a lot of help from overseas domestically it wasn't uh, didn't have a huge turnout and it's just kind of crazy to see you know it's really sad you know this is supposed to be the the bowing out of Harrison Ford as the Indiana Jones character. I th- I saw the movie in theaters. I didn't think that it was bad, honestly. It, I mean, it was, I, I did rewatch all the original trilogy, and I didn't think that it really... To me, personally, they're still great movies, but I don't think they translate well into the modern era because of what they are uh, as movies, which is movies that are trying to pay homage to a time prior to when they came out, which... I mean, we're talking about trilogy from the 80s, paying homage to movies from the 50s, 60s. So 
to me, that doesn't translate well when you're talking about 2023 and they're still trying to do similar things, which is pay homage to a time which is way past, you know, the modern era. So I think it's just a combination of of just kind of being outdated, uh, ballooning budgets, and and just people just not caring anymore. Plus, you know, Crystal Skull honestly probably left a sour taste in a lot of these uh, people's mouths. So it's unfortunate. But then we have kind of the biggest surprise uh, for as far as flop. Now it's still in theaters, so it still has a chance. But I, I do read a lot of, I, I read on box office on Reddit a lot, and and you know they kind of give more deeper details into how legs work and how how the money's coming in. And it doesn't appear like it's going to do it. But Mission Impossible Seven doesn't look like it's going to turn a profit, which to me is insane because this movie was. Very hyped, got great reviews, got an A in cinema score, and I mean, you're also getting Tom Cruise off of Top Gun Maverick last year, which did amazing money, and then you have, you know, you turn around one year later in a series that is known for a, a crazy action, uh, they constantly get great reviews, especially on Rotten Tomatoes, especially in the the modern, or the more modern Mission Impossibles, meaning part four and afterwards, all of them have like 80 to 90% up on Rotten Tomatoes. So they're getting great word of mouth and people are saying that these movies are good. So what happened with Mission Impossible? I mean, it's kind of a mix of a lot of things. It has to do with reshoots and COVID, as I mentioned already. Um, But then maybe timing. I mean, you have you have arguably the biggest story in the entertainment industry right now, which is Barbenheimer. And the release date for Mission Impossible was a week prior to Barbenheimer releasing. Um, they didn't have a long time period that to, for large format, large format screens. Uh, that which was a, also a, a a bit of news that came out, and I believe that Tom Cruise was actively fighting to to get more screen time or for larger screens so that his movie can screen in IMAX and etc. And it didn't work out uh, because Christopher Nolan has a chokehold on those particular uh, particular large formats. And it just kind of was this recipe for disaster. I mean, I don't think they expected when they initially released their release date for Barbie and Oppenheimer to be these huge elements of success but here they are and now Mission Impossible is looking at not turning a profit and they are a part one of part two which doesn't bode well because if I mean arguably you could say that well if not that many people saw part one or at least not enough people to turn a profit how does that look for part two are they going to have to go in and restrict the budget or do even more reshoots how do they handle that type of situation I don't think Paramount's going to cancel the movie but I mean, what do they do? So it's going to be really interesting coming up in the next, I guess, year and a half, two years for when Mission Impossible, I guess you would call it eight, but it will be technically part two coming out for Dead Reckoning. So I'll be keeping an eye on that. I mean, it is kind of sad. I saw that in theaters as well. Um, The only one of these flops that I didn't see is Flash because I refused. But yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Tom Cruise reacts to this. And uh, going from there. But aside from the flops, you know, um, this move this year hasn't been all all negativity. Uh, I've personally had some 
some favorites. And then, I mean, you know, you guys know me by now. This isn't always a a movie podcast. I like to talk about television as well and prestige TV. Uh, so it's it's been kind of a it's been a decent year as well and you know what I wanted to kind of just go halfway through the year and just kind of discuss my 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 top five for for the first half of the year and then go from there also I wanted to talk about some anticipated uh, movies coming up for the remainder of the year if they still hold on to their um, if they still hold on to their release dates uh, given the strike and then uh, maybe we'll talk about you know a couple other random things, and then uh, and then we'll go from there. So uh, yeah, like I said, it's been a it's been a great year so far uh, from my point of view. There's been some awesome uh, pieces of media that have come out. Uh, my number one uh, for 2023, and I think you guys, if if any of you have listened and and know me by now, you know that I I've was anti- absolutely anticipating this movie and I saw it day one that it came out in theaters and you guys should can probably guess my top movie so far this year is Scream 6 uh, directed by Matt Olpin and Tyler Gillett a lot of the returning cast from uh, Scream 5 uh, Melissa Barrera, Jenna Ortega, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mason Gooding um, you got a little bit of an appearance by Skeet Ulrich of course Courtney Cox returning um, great, you know. You, of course, the uh, the epic voice of uh, Ghostface, Roger Jackson, returning. I love this movie, and uh, the movie did uh, pretty well. I think it was actually the top grossing uh, screen movie in the entire franchise. Uh, I don't have that information right in front of me, but I think I mentioned that, and I think that is the case. So there will certainly be a Scream Seven, and I think that it's in good hands so far with the. Uh, with the newer versions of Scream coming out, with uh, with Open and Gillett uh, directing and that writing team that they have under them, uh, I think these movies are in great hands, and I'm excited to see uh, where they they take the next. Uh, I guess I guess they're going to do a, their own version of a trilogy, so I guess I'm looking to see how they they finalize this, their particular version of Scream. Yeah, it got me really excited. Uh, came out really quick after part five I and mean, I think it was only a year uh, a year past so yeah I was I was super stoked over it I already did a whole podcast episode on this so I'm not gonna go into too much detail but that's definitely my number one of 2023 so far but it you know there's there's been a lot of good quality stuff that has competed um, t- uh, as far as television goes uh, one of my top TV shows and definitely the top um, game video game adaptation in my eyes, The Last of Us was just a phenomenal series that came on HBO. Uh, I've definitely done an episode on this already. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Pedro Pascal, Bella Ramsey, the two leads in the show, did a fantastic job. This uh, show was not afraid to take a turn and not always just be about uh, fungus-infected zombies. You know, it, it took uh, chances with... Uh, with storyline, uh, specifically same-sex storylines and and uh, romance between them, but done really, done really well um, to the point where uh, it garnered a lot of attention and people really enjoyed um, the twists and turns that they took this particular show. And I'm the first to tell you, I I am not huge on zombies anymore. I think that they're uh, overdone. I've watched pretty much the majority of Walking Dead, but I just got tired of it. Um, Among, obviously, other uh, zombie franchises and series, 
So I think that it's been beaten to death. And I know that, you know, the way they differentiate between regular zombies and this particular show is because they got some kind of uh, fungal infection and it's taken over their brain. I get it, but they're still zombies. Let's just call spades spades here. Uh, but overall, done really well. They took a video game. Uh, they remained faithful, but they also created uh, amazing drama. They found amazing actors. And uh, overall, the show was well shot, well written, and probably one of the most anticipated season twos of uh, of 2023. Now, unfortunately, they're going to be facing delays. They're already facing delays. I think they had started maybe filming or they had majority of everything written. But it's going to be a little while since uh, we see season two. It's very unfortunate, but it's always uh, at least fortunate that they take their time and um, get people on board that are getting paid nonetheless, but also uh, taking the time to write these particular series. So looking forward to that. Uh, next on the uh, list, um, I, I talked about this as well. I don't think I talked about it nearly as well as I wanted to talk about it, but we have uh, FX and Hulu's The Bear. Now, I absolutely love this show. They're on season two. Um, amazing cast. Uh, amazingly just well-written and also just subject matter that I can relate to. I'm in the restaurant industry. This movie, this show really delves into uh, those particular aspects and the uh, the kind of element of family that that restaurants kind of develop because you're around these people so much and the, and the infighting that happens, but also the, uh, the recovery from that fighting. And I thought that I think this show is amazing. You know, Jeremy Allen White, who is the lead, who uh, was originally in Shameless, did a fantastic job. He plays Carmi. And you have Eben Moss Backrack, who this is my first show that I've seen him in, and then he started popping up in other stuff. And now he's really starting to get uh, some roles because of you know, because of his because uh, of the stardom that he's starting to acquire. So I'm really excited to see what he does because he's an amazing actor. And then you know he had you just had a really nice, well-rounded cast. Everyone was doing their job. Um, don't want to forget Ayo Adabiri as well. She has, she's definitely going to be popping up in a lot of stuff. So look out for her name. And overall, just a just a great show. Uh, I, I did a deep dive into this uh, this show, so I don't really need to go uh, to, into too much detail, especially if you heard that episode already. But uh, this show has been getting a lot of acclaim. Has been being talked about a lot all over the uh, all over Twitter and the internet. And for sure, they're going to have a season three. So I'll be looking out for that. When it happens, I don't know. This strike is gonna, you know, is gonna cause a lot of chaos. So we'll see when it happens. But that's definitely uh, on my top five list for 2023. Uh, and then my next, uh, honestly, a lot of shows, a lot of prestige television. So it's it's kind of surprising. I'm sure that the, there was definitely some movies in there that I could have probably mentioned already. But um, a lot of my focus was spent on TV this particular year. Uh, just a lot of great television just fantastic uh, writing overall which is another reason why we need to pay these writers <laughs> uh, but anyway um, next show succession um, honestly I came into this show I believe in the second season maybe the third which is kind of good for me because sometimes if I catch a show too early I I kind of fall off and lose interest not that they're bad it's just that you know it the waiting time, the time period between seasons and, and waiting a year, year and a half, you know, a lot of life happens in between that time period. So I caught it, I caught it when it was already hitting its stride and then they announced that the final season was coming out and it really just kind of 
helped me to put this show in perspective. I went back and rewatched it all and just really realized that how much I love this this show, the style of show, the writing, the acting. And, you know, there's a lot of people that don't get it. You know, they might not understand the business aspect or some of the things that they're talking about or they might look at it as look at it as almost boring because it is a lot of talking and it's just a lot of conversation. Uh, tense conversation, of course, and, you know, backed by uh, an amazing score, which, you know, really helped this show. But it's a fantastic show nonetheless, and I think that um, when Emmy season comes around, whenever that does happen, because I think the Emmys got also got postponed because of the strike, um, I think that this show is going to definitely see uh, a lot of uh, awardship, especially for its last season, just to um, kind of give this show its flowers. Um, if uh, Brian Cox, of course, is uh, was the father figure in this show, and you know I'm not going to spoil any of the sp- uh, storylines, especially because I do highly recommend people go out and just check this out, especially if you like well acted dramas that are just tense and they have that that fa- that familial aspect to it. I think this just show has it's just different enough, but also familiar enough for for people to jump in and say, you know what. Renny Rico was right. Uh, great, but great cast. I already mentioned Brian po- uh, Brian Cox. Uh, you got Kieran Culkin. You have uh, Alan Ruck, uh, Nicholas Braun, Sarah Snook, who was absolutely amazing. You got Jeremy Strong as as the older uh, son in the family. Uh, just overall, just fantastic casting and uh, just a show that is about who's going to take over their father's company when he's ready to let it go. And you know, they just took that concept and just nailed the writing, and I highly recommend it. Uh, and then just to round out the rest of uh, the remainder of the uh, the top five or the the, the final t- of the top five, I have something a little different, and I didn't really talk about this too much, but it's um, something I'm really happy that I took the time out to check out. Uh, I am. Really happy that I checked out Wes Anderson's Asteroid City. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I am not normally a person that checks for Wes Anderson's movies. I know that they're an acquired taste. Um, they're really unique in their their vision and their writing style and how they're shot. And anyone who's seen uh, any of his films know exactly what I'm talking about. But anyone who has not or has accidentally caught uh, one of his films, especially in his uh latter part of his career knows exactly what I'm talking about it's it's a real specific unique taste you kind of have to really enjoy this style of film but you know I I checked out Asteroid City uh, which is his his newest film that was released in theaters and I was I was amazed honestly it was maybe just caught me on the right day but uh, it was quirky Uh, he absolutely is able to demand uh, any cast members that he wants because uh, these you know actors are just absolutely just willing to 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 do whatever they whatever he needs in their films because it's always going to be a unique time and I think that's you know that creativity and that quality is what are what actors you know are just des- they desire they want to do something different they don't want to do the same old crap that they're you know that they might be uh, cast for this is their chance to do something uh, a little unique. And it shows. I mean, I'm just going to kind of read off uh, some of this cast. I might not even be able to get through the whole cast without sounding like I'm just repetitive. But you got Jason Schwartzman. You got Scarlett Johansson, Tom Hanks, Jeffrey Wright, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, 
you have Rupert Friend, Maya Hawk, uh, Liev Schreiber, uh, on and on. And the reason why Wes Anderson is able to get this particular type of cast is because he's making unique films. And I'm really happy I caught this one. Now, it's not going to be for everyone. It's not one of those blanket recommendations. I would say, I'm just going to say that if you want something different, check out this film. Uh, It was a little hard to follow, but then after uh, reading about it a little bit, I understood uh, exactly what he was going for. It kind of has this uh, Russian doll aspect to it. It's kind of a nesting movie where it's like uh, a thing within a thing within a thing. But once you catch on... Uh, you realize the brilliance in it, and then also just the the quirky humor uh, really clicked for me. And it, uh, the reason why I, I put this on my list is because it also inspired me to go back and check out some of his older uh, filmography, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, I think my favorite so far is Grand, Buda- Grand Budapest Hotel, um, but I'm going to reserve judgment uh, until I see all of them, and I might do an episode on that and kind of just go on a little deep dive on each of his particular movies. Um, and that's that for my top for my top list for 2023. Uh, just uh, just something a little different for for everyone, and you know I really enjoyed it. It's been it's been it's been a fun time so far, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the year. Now, as far as the remainder of the podcast, I wanted to just kind of do a little bit of uh, my anticipated for the remainder of 2023. Now, some now I now I've already mentioned because of the strike, some of these. Uh, some of these movies or films might be being moved, um, mainly because because of the SAG strike, uh, the actors aren't allowed to do any promotion. Which why would you let them do promotion when that would just be allowing money to go into the uh, into the production company's pockets rather than their pockets? Um, which is the reasoning behind why why SAG is not allowing them to to it's part of their contract. They're not allowed to promote any of these movies, so. The production companies are a little scared. They don't want to release these big ten poles and then potentially have them flop because there's no one out um, promoting them. But anyway, as far as my anticipated movies for the remainder of the year, uh, I've been going for a little while, so I'm going to keep these short, especially because obviously they haven't released yet. So I mean, there's just more anticipation than anything. Uh, but my top most anticipated movie of this particular uh, year is Killers of the Flower Moon. Now, obviously, you have it's directed by Scorsese. Uh, you have Robert De Niro, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jesse Plemons. I know there's, there's a couple other actors in there. Um, it's releasing in October, October 20th. Now, this movie was actually, I think, um, financed by Apple, and it's only going to be like a limited release, so it's not going to be uh, uh, like a huge wide release, it's uh, it's just going to be uh, enough to where it can potentially um, gain nominations for like awards. But it's really the final result is going to be that it's going to be released on Apple TV. Um, but they negotiated with Scorsese. They said, you know what? Absolutely, we'll, we'll release it in the theaters to give people a chance to see it in the theaters that they want to. And uh, I think this is going to be one of those movies, even though it's a limited release, I'm going to try and find a way to watch it. Um, I don't have a lot of theaters to play limited releases around me, but I'm going to find a way. Uh, This movie is based on a book. Um, It's set in, uh, I think, the early 1900s. I want to say 1920, 1930. I'm a little ignorant to those particular facts. Um, And I'm sorry, I don't have the exact synopsis in front of me, so I don't have the name of the tribe of 
of Native Americans that this movie specifically focuses on, but it's basically about this tribe of Native Americans that received this land, and the land ends up having a lot of oil on it, so slowly but surely the Americans decide to start killing them off to take their land, and the movie is like this kind of just long epic uh, regarding that particular storyline and you know it's Scorsese directing so I have no doubt that he he does it with uh, amazing sincerity and I'm just absolutely excited the trailer I've watched like 10 times and I'm just really really excited to just see this movie I think that it's going to be DiCaprio at the top of his game obviously De Niro at the top of his game Jesse Plemons always doing a great job plus you know the amazing cast that Scorsese could put together and just his unique vision uh, I'm really excited for this, so that's definitely on the top of my anticipated list. Now, next in next on my list, we have Dune Part Two, which was supposed to release, I believe, in December. Now, there's been uh, there's been uh, news articles that are released uh, released saying that they are anticipating having to move the release date, which is very unfortunate because I was really excited to see this. I absolutely loved Part One, and I didn't think that it got a big enough chance to do money in the theater, and that was kind of the time period when. When they were uh, releasing movies day and date, which was which means that they were releasing on streaming and also in the theater, so it wasn't allowing these movies chances to get money. But it definitely received a lot of critical acclaim, and Denis Villeneuve really knows how to put together a cast. He has this really unique vision as well, and it's um uh, he just really took these books and and created his own world out of them. And it really shows. And I think people really enjoyed the first one and they're excited to see the second one. So I'm hoping it's not delayed too long. Obviously, it's out of um, out of a lot of people's control. So it's it's really hard to say when this movie is going to be released. But let's just say that when it does get released, I will absolutely be there in the theater so that I can see the uh, potential finale. And then there's rumors that they might actually end up doing a third one. I think it depends on how much money this makes, but between Tim- Timothy Chalamet, Dave Bautista, Zendaya, Florence Pugh, uh, a lot of people. There's a lot of great actors in this uh, particular movie. I think that uh, it has a chance to do well, so I'm excited for that. Now, on my list, it's a little outdated because I meant to record last week. I did put Barbenheimer on there, which was already released the f- previous weekend. So that is on there. It's already out, and I already saw one half. I saw Oppenheimer already, which I absolutely loved. Um, I thought that it was just an amazing movie, even though it was just a lot of talking. Somehow Christopher Wal- uh, Christopher Nolan sucked me in, and the movie didn't feel like three hours. Now, I didn't see Barbie yet, but I am going to see that as well. I have no shame in my game. Uh, the, the, both of the movies have amazing reviews, so they were highly anticipated. I had no doubt that I wanted to see both of them going into the summertime. And it's really great seeing that these movies were not flops. Uh, they have been doing amazing money already, and they had, I think, uh, they set a record. I think they were number four or number three on highest grossing weekend um, domestically, which I think they they brought in $300 million uh, between all the movies that released that weekend, which is good because of all the flops that I already talked about. You know, I didn't know if this was going to be just one of those summers where people just forgot about the movies and said, you know what, screw it, we don't need to see any of this crap. So these movies are doing well. I think they had bo- they both had amazing marketing, viral marketing at that because Barbenheimer is you know became a thing. I mean, that's a portmanteau of the two movies, and uh, people are uh, seem to really be enjoying both of them. I mean, th- they both 
obviously have people that are going to hate on them and they're going to say, you know, specific things. But I, I thought that at least Oppenheimer was near flawless. It's Nolan at the top of his game. So it was already heavily anticipated for me before I even saw it. And then uh, Barbie, of course. And Greta Gerwig has uh, has earned her right to, to, to make unique movies. And Margot Robbie, obviously, is, is absolutely fantastic. And she's been great in everything that I've seen her in uh, with an amazing cast to boot. And um, I think that it's just one of those interesting movies where you give... You give a filmmaker a chance, and she took it and ran with it, and now look. That's putting Mattel on the top of his game. So really uh, excited to see that. So I, I, put, I still kept it on the list because I haven't seen half of it. Um, and then uh, to round it out, uh, one television show I am excited about, Gen V, which is the spinoff of The Boys. Uh, the Boys is one of my top shows um, streaming online. Uh, it's on Amazon. The Gen V is a spinoff. Um, I think it's specifically about college-age students that take uh, they take that that chemical that turns people into superheroes. And I, to me, you just you don't even got to tell me much about the concept. You're talking about college-age uh, male and female getting this uh, particular concoction that is turning them into superheroes. You get all that testosterone flowing through through the males and and. And and then the, the young women, you know, and they're just tempers flaring and all the crap that happens in, in college. And, you know, you, you put people in that particular situation. I could already see the show being a banger. I know that The Boys is just one of those uh, well-written but super gruesome shows. Um, a lot of, you know, fantastical violence. And I just expect more of that um, just with younger actors. And uh, I'm excited for that. I think that Amazon understands that they have uh, a show that's a big draw to their to their streaming service, and I think that they're really going to take good care that Gen V also works out well as well. So I'm excited for that. And then to round out the rest of the list, I have The Exorcist Believer. It's going to be the first one in a supposed trilogy. They're giving David Gordon Green, who directed the, the new Halloween trilogy, another trilogy. And um, this time he is uh, redoing, or not, re- kind of a requel, I guess. They're going to do a sequel to the original Exorcist and then continue it from there. This one is called The Exorcist Believer. And uh, the trailer just dropped the other day, and I think that it looks pretty good. Um, I'm interested to see how they can reinvigorate the um, the uh, reinvigorate the exorcism genre, I should say. There has been... A boatload of of Exorcist movies that have come out since the original, and I'm just kind of excited to see. I, I I think that David Gordon Green will understand that, so he knows that the onus is on him in order to create something different rather than more of the same. And the trailer looks interesting. They have this uh, dynamic where it's uh, two people being um, possessed this time, uh, two young kids or two young females. Uh, so it's going to be kind of interesting to see where he goes from there and then um, see if he can like spark a fire with a, a new trilogy. It's going to be really sad if he doesn't pull off the first one. And the, he, he definitely had a lot of people that weren't really fans of the third uh, act of his trilogy for Halloween. So does that is that going to affect the, mo- the money this movie makes? Who knows? The company paid $400 million in order to get the rights to to film the Exorcist trilogy, so they're already that much in the hole. Um, one big thing they have going for them is Ellen Burstyn's going to be returning from the original. This movie's supposed to be released in uh, 
in October, October 13th specifically. So we'll see. Let's see if David Gordon Green can at least with the first part of the trilogy uh, strike gold again, and then we'll go from there. Uh, aside from that, I do, I do have a couple honorable mentions, and I'm not going to go into too much detail, but uh, me and Link have been talking about this one. Uh, I'm excited about Mutant Mayhem, uh, which is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie. Uh, it's gonna, it's written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. Uh, cool actors are going to be doing the voices. It is a cartoon done in a, a very similar style to uh, Across the Spider-Verse, or the Spider-Verse movies, I should say. Uh, I Supposedly, it is a little different from the animation style, but uh, it's very similar f- to my eyes when I see the trailer, but... Listen, I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was huge on them growing up. I watched the original cartoons. I didn't read the original mangas, but that's just because I'm not a manga guy. But uh, I love uh, I love that series, and it looks like they're going to be doing uh, a huge return of a lot of the the, the famous villains and, and bad guys that they had throughout the years. Um, no Shredder, though, which I think they're saving for uh, a sequel. But I'm really excited to see this, and um, we'll see what happens. I think that, actually movie, that movie actually comes out in a couple of days, or next Friday, I should say. So that's coming up soon. I'm definitely excited to see that. Uh, then you have Gareth, Ad- Gareth Edwards, the creator, who, uh, if, you don't, if you're not familiar, Gareth Edwards actually um, was the original director for Rogue One until Tony Gilroy took over when uh, Disney decided to meddle. Although, that's one of those situations where it ended up working out for the best. Um, but supposedly Gareth Edwards developed a lot of that movie, so it's 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 something that I'm excited for for the creator because I think that this particular mo- movie style is going to translate well. Um, it's about essentially an AI movie where AI is you know they're in a apocalyptic future, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Look it up. Um, but the visuals look great, and I think that um, with John David Washington starring and Gemma Chan. Uh, I think that it has a good shot at being a pretty decent movie. It's going to release in uh, September, September 29th specifically. And then the last movie I have, and then I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, it's coming out on Netflix. you got Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. A um, couple actors, uh, big-name actors. you got Charlie Hunnam, Jenna Malone, Anthony Hopkins, Carrie Elwes. It's going to be releasing in December. Um, a lot of big hype surrounding it. It's Zack Snyder's take on Star Wars. Uh, he originally pitched this wild Star Wars story, and Disney Lucasfilm wasn't having any of it. So he, I guess he stripped the elements that were specifically Star Wars, and he now he has this original IP that's coming out, uh, coming out on Netflix, and it's exciting. Not a lot of uh, like huge trailers have dropped from it. I mean, there has been a trailer, but it didn't. I don't think it showed too much. Um, but it's Zack Snyder behind it. I, I'm not really the hugest Zack Snyder fan, but you know he hasn't done all bad stuff, so I'm willing to give this a chance. Plus, I already have Netflix, so it's not like it's costing me anything additional, so I'm excited to see that. I think that's going to be good. And that's about it, guys. Uh, I know I've been talking for a while. This has been a little longer than my normal one, but you know what? I haven't been here, and I figure I want to give you guys some content and see how you guys are and you know just kind of talk about the summer and see you know the direction that it's going. Um, going to be interesting to see how the rest of the year plays, especially with the strike and, um, you know, some of those movies flopping, it's going to be kind of interesting to see if anything else flops for the rest of the year. Um, but I guess we'll have to see how the rest of the year plays out in order to do a year wrap up right at the end of the year. 
anyway, so this is Renny Rico um, signing out. Uh, if you haven't um, been listening, check out the Tales from the Abyss main podcast. I know that Jay hasn't been uh, recording, so it's just Link uh, while Jay goes through his own medical situation. I know that Arthur's going to be recording from time to time for his uh, Western Civ from the Abyss. So uh, check out for those shows. Uh, I'm always grateful that uh, I'm, I'm part of this podcast network. And uh, we'll see you next time. And once again, my uh, my email is always thesentimentabyss at gmail.com. Shoot me an uh, email if you're listening, if you have anything to say about anything that I talk about. And then uh, until next time, have a good one and uh, try to stay cool outside in this heat. Talk to you later. Bye.